Welcome to the Sports The Show. I'm DJ Pat Nasty, and I'm here with... Danny. And from Arizona... Malcolm Marzet. And we've got a brand new episode of the Sports Show for you guys today. We've got Tiny back with us as introduced for the first time in a couple of weeks. Glad to have you mm-hmm. back, Tiny, as always. Appreciate uh, it. We've got plenty of action to cover today from the NBA as we are coming to you guys right after... After the end of Heat Celtics game two, we're all wrapped up for the first two games in each series with both series coming to a 2-0 lead. I don't really think anyone uh, necessarily saw it playing out completely this way. Maybe some people had 2-0 leads in both series, but I really don't think people had Miami leading the Celtics 2-0 at the end of this. I know I didn't as a Miami Heat fan. I had uh, no Only expectation. 3% of the people. I mean, that yeah. was a 97% chance of the Celtics winning from Vegas and only a 3% chance for the Heat. As Udonis Haslam said, on the Dan Levitard podcast slash show. He doesn't care for the assolytics or assaholics or whatever he calls it now uh, because Udonis Haslam doesn't believe in analytics. And whether Spo doesn't or not, uh, his coaching style is working to perfection right now in this series, uh, really out-coaching Joe Mazzulla. And, uh, you know, Joe Mazzulla is only a year older than I am. And you, Malcolm, he's 34 years old. Al Horford, on, Al Horford on his own team. Team who he is coaching is older than him at 36 years old. But let's go ahead and dive into this Miami-Boston series as it's been a fun one and it's the one we're coming off the freshest from. Game one, I felt like it was going to be a bit of an aberration compared to uh, what I thought was going to come in game two. Malcolm, you just sent me a, a freezing cold take from freezing cold takes on Instagram about how Boston... Uh, the beatdown cometh, as they said, to the Miami Heat in game two. Yeah. Uh, The Heat were, excuse me, the second team ever in NBA final or in NBA uh, playoff history to have six players with 15 plus points in game one where you had a strong showing uh, from the entire team in Miami. And, uh, you know, you really had all of your uh, bench players, three of them undrafted, and gave Vincent, Max Struess, and Caleb Martin all with 15, Kyle Lowry with 15 off the bench, performing great since he's been switched to his role as the uh, second string uh, kind of energy guy, the leader of the bench group that comes in to spell Jimmy Butler. And you saw a Boston team, I think, in that first game that was a little underwhelmed or rather overwhelmed and underwhelming on the offensive end, especially in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, when you say you saw Jason Tatum kind of relegated to a screening position more than anything uh, in the fourth quarter, not really getting to create his own shot and not getting plays drawn up around him. Joe Mazzulla also walking off the court with two timeouts in his pockets, i.e. Mike Budenholz 
Holzer earlier in the first round series against the Heat. Did multiple games. Uh, but then that takes us to game two that we just finished up. It was a highly competitive game. I don't know if you'll see Joe Mazzola after this game talking about they won three quarters uh, where they only won two quarters in this game. Uh, you know, Boston since last year has been talking about winning quarters. Well, let's win some damn games before we start talking about how great our team is. And I think the Heat helped uh, shut them up a little bit here with a roundabout molly whopping in my opinion in terms of their momentum and yeah. i think even though it was a six point win it felt like like malcolm and i were talking about during the game like it was a, a bit more of a uh stretch in terms of point differential but miami finishes one one eleven to 105 against the celtics winning in the second and fourth quarter since that's what the celtics seem to focus on in a lot of their playoff basketball is quarters one versus games one. And you see again, Bam with a 20 plus point game, Jimmy Butler with 27, uh, Bam one assist away from a triple double. You had a great game out of Caleb Martin with his playoff high of 25 points. Duncan Robinson with 15 coming back from the dead of uh, playoff years past. And Miami taking home to South Beach. A two O. I think this series, uh, personally, I think we're still going to go to six games here. Um, and I have Miami winning. Uh, it's been an incredible run for the Heat. Uh, Tiny, we haven't really gotten to talk to you as much uh, through these playoffs, but you know when they beat the Bucks, I think anything was really possible. Um, yeah. And I think the Heat are proving that seeding ain't nothing but a number in terms of how they play i mean from this eight seed we may see uh this the second greatest or a tie for the greatest performance from an eight seed uh in history with how the new york knicks ended up in the nba finals in 99 uh how do you feel about the heat and the Celtics series so far after two games tiny so what I see with them is this incredible just motivation. Um, and I'll touch on it in a second, but like <clears throat> lack of pressure as an eight seed at the same time, I think feeds into their mentality a lot. Uh, and just kind of a, a completely different way that they're constructed than Boston. Um, not just personnel wise, but mentality wise, I, I don't think they're scared at all. And I don't think they distrust their coach at all. And I don't think they're worried about their number one guy coming up big in the fourth. So as the game goes on, they get stronger, especially when they see weakness on the other side. Um, and Boston, I don't know what the fuck is up with Jason Tatum, but like he disappears. And I don't think there's any reason that he shouldn't have close to 10 field goal attempts in the fourth like that. That's bad. Like, that's weird. Like, it's kind of a red flag to me as far as they approach their uh, fourth quarter um, in many games uh, over time. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard for me to say that 
Boston's out of it as well. I mean, down to a going on the road seems like kind of the kiss of death in almost any playoff series, mm-hmm. but they're just so like game to game sometimes. And let's say what if Tatum drops 45 and 38 the next two games and it's 2-2 going back to Boston. It's like nothing happened. Oh, they're um, the most chaotic team left in the playoffs. I mean, it, Boston yeah, is up and down like no other. It's total chaos uh, for them. I think this might be a wake-up moment, but I but think Miami's Tatum, kind of sitting there. But Tatum without I, a field goal attempt or without yeah, a field yeah, goal made in the fourth quarter and him only making free throws, you just can't have that from your top-tier player. It's completely unacceptable and, like, almost unprecedented. Like, if you're the guy, I don't care what they're throwing at you. You're you got to take some shots and you got to carry this team through, you know, the uh, the pressure of the moment. And also, like when Grant Williams is like talking shit to Jimmy Butler, like, sure. OK, I get it. Tensions are running high. But like if you're Tatum and you're you're going to be that guy, you have to pick up Grant Williams. You have to have his yeah. back. You have to be the guy that maybe one of their guys is going to talk shit to and pisses off one of them. Like I'm, just 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 kind of unacceptable from Tatum. And yeah, I think he's a great player, but like he talks about how much he likes Kobe and shit. Well, do some Kobe shit, like take some shots, take some tough shots, make some tough shots, win at home, go to Miami, one, one, like. It's actually getting me kind of riled up right now. No, uh, he needed to be a bit more of a volume shooter. And I mean, I think defensively, when you go with Peyton Pritchard in game one, who didn't even get a minute tonight uh, on Jimmy, and then you go game two, Grant Williams on Jimmy, I think you're really messing up. I know what they're trying to do with Robert Williams and Al Horford switching uh, between Bam Adebayo and what you were seeing with a mix of Max Struess and Duncan Robinson in Al Horford's realm more so. But I think you need to get one of your elite defenders, i.e. Al Horford, on Jimmy Butler, where you have that length and defensive capability that you see from the 36-year-old. I think that's what he's there for, or at least Marcus Smart. I don't understand really what Boston's defensive strategy is here against Miami. And not only that, you have Derek White only playing 23 minutes of the game. He hit a few threes early on that really lit up the Celtics in the second quarter. I don't know why he's not in the game more for Boston. Uh, But Malcolm, how did you feel about the game and what are your big takeaways from how both the Heat and the Celtics have approached this series? Um, I'll, I'll talk about the Celtics early. Um, this coach is clearly showing his age, but I feel like the way we kind of look at the game in his youth, not in the age yeah. that we usually talk about, where right. it's Yo, some yeah. old adult man. This is a novice. Right. Yeah, he's. Uh, we were talking even before we started. He's about thirty-four. The the play on the sideline after the timeout, where Struess has to be stationary, and him sliding through right in front yeah. of a referee, and not even commenting about it like uh those are plays that can turn the tide because that's technically a turnover and you're telling um, me blake griffin and danilo gallinari can't provide anything looks, in this looks. team when they bring all of that experience you can't get them on the court at all 
So I'll go back and forth. Miami made an adjustment and they went to a zone defense early on, which was really impressive and kind of uh, weathered the storm of the first half. And then I said, and then I heard the announcer, I think it was Reggie Miller saying, oh, they're leading in rebound. And I was like, oh, well, even if they're down 12, that doesn't even matter because they're winning in coaching. They're winning in rebounds, offensive rebounds, 50-50 balls. And then they got clutch heart and IQ all coming from Butler and Bam. So I was like, it doesn't matter what the score is. They're going to get them because they're going to break. Um, yeah. I'm I'm just as riled up as you with the Caleb Williams thing. It honestly makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, they're, they're mentally weak. They're done. It's over. Yeah. It's over. And um, I'm really impressed with Caleb Martin. Uh, he has a pretty incredible story with uh, J. Cole calling Karan Butler in order to get him a tryout, <laughs> him being a two-way player. Mm-hmm. And now he's going toe-to-toe with Tatum and he's dropping 20 plus He was points. undrafted. He's one of the yes. seven undrafted players on the Miami Heat roster right now. Other players that I feel full confidence in. And I like what Haslam said. He said with the Miami Heat culture, it's 100% eye contact communication. So even if you don't like what I'm saying, I'm not yeah. just going to mumble it under my breath and walk away, which what we would see in a la maybe Boston, for example, versus saying, OK, you're going to have to deal with this and then we're going to move forward together because we're a team. And getting Kevin this- Love off the trash heap, top of the trash heap pile when Cleveland relegated him to Nothingsville and he's coming in doing his Pat Riley's there on the sidelines. If you got a problem, go talk to Pat. He's right there. I, I see. Right there, crack a slight smile. <laughs> and I said, Oh my goodness, Cody Zeller's got orthopedic shoes out there getting rebounds. Malcolm, he scored but, a point uh, tonight. And no, hey, don't step on my that's where I'm landing to. The other players are just contributing in because basketball is five man game, you know, Henderson, Struess. Um, Vincent and Zeller all just contributing the most they can do. And like you said, with um, Kevin Love, it's very New England like in the sense of like Pat Riley bringing in a player and say, look, you have this skill set. I'm going to highlight this skill set and we're going to mask all your deficiency. I need you to catch a rebound and launch the ball. Everybody else run. For it. We yeah, need one then- or two turnovers in the second half to turn the tie. Go ahead. And Donnie. this is like this is like kind of why we do this show. I was talking about it earlier is because. These things that we see don't show up on the stat sheet, but it's so glaring at the same time when you're watching Mm -hmm. it, like just how, you know, like these veterans come in and they're there to do their job and they know their job, but they're also doing things on the bench, talking to Caleb Martin and these role players and giving them confidence. And then you see it on the court from Miami, like constantly. And they build off Jimmy, obviously, too. But Jimmy's not like a like vocal leader, but it's that eye contact thing. You said it's like you you look at him, you're like, we're fucking good. Yeah, like, I'm confident. I'm confident in the fourth quarter and we have this. And then you look mm-hmm. at Boston and you're like, who's the, who's the fucking leader? Like it should be Al I Horford. Love, <laughs> I, I love Horford. Ben but Simmons. Like, that's but but he doesn't he maybe shouldn't be that yeah. guy. Like, you know, it's it's just like it's a feel you get when you're watching the game and watching these veterans. It should be Tatum and, by and watching now. and watching this eighth seed that isn't afraid at all to go into Boston, which is historically a hard place to win. Yeah. And then they just use confidence and hit big shots and then they fucking leave. And now, here's the interesting question brought up great. Or, or basically the underlying. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the coach or is it the player that is going to demand my superstar to have the ball? Now, look, you have in, this happened with Embiid and now it's happening with Tatum versus like players they try to idolize the Jordans, 
the Butlers, should be the, the Browns, the Brian and Shaq. You didn't have to ask Shaq, hey, man, I need you to take over. Or, hey, yeah, Jordan, you shouldn't I need have you to, to say shit. Over. But, but also they're making a case for these with young these, players that, hey, we're going to fire the coach if he doesn't take over. But with these I want to know teams, what your thoughts are on that. With these teams we're talking about, so just real quick to the coach. And Butler's on that list. With, like, we well, don't have to ask him to take well, over. Well, with the coaching in the modern NBA where you have Eastern Conference, Western Conference playoffs and the ABA-NBA merger, really. Uh, so in the modern shot clock era, you've only had four coaches do... Uh, so let me break it down even further. Eric Spolstra in 15 years of coaching has gone to seven conference finals now. You've only ever had four coaches coaches go to seven plus conference finals that's eric spolstra pat riley phil jackson and greg popovich all going to seven conference finals in their coaching career it's not something that's like the nba is built on winning to that level steve kerr hasn't gotten to seven conference finals yet but i mean jesus christ he's one away uh you know <laughs> like that's what i'm saying he'll be there too but there's cultures in this league that we see that lead to these you know, really dynastic style coaching legacies and these styles of culture that are embedded in certain franchises and not relegated to others. I mean, you see with Boston in the East, they have won one championship since the Miami Heat have been a team 35 years. You have right now the Miami Heat as the top Eastern Conference team behind the Chicago Bulls in their existence. It's them and the Detroit Pistons. But the, I mean, my God, the Heat have been far more conference finals and championships for that matter. But you're really looking at an East that is defined by history versus what it is in reality. And that's what we're seeing right now on display. I think, but yeah. And I think like, so get back to Malcolm's point about, is it the player or the coach? Cause I, I like this line of thinking. Like, I think with certain players, it gets to the point where am I even your coach or are we just like coworkers or friends or essentially peers, but one of us plays and one of us doesn't like, I don't think it, it should be blamed on the coach for Tatum taking no shots. Like I like, He's not, and that may doesn't necessarily work. Like the player has you know, to youth, demand the ball basketball in the do where you where you fucking draw up a play on a whiteboard and then he yes. gets it and he shoots it. Like it's it's the player, man. Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's on Tatum, and I I don't want to lose any respect for him, but like man, they, they have, like me if I was to. coaching him because I would tell him, look, you playing like a soft ass St. Louis kid. I know, and then and he would get a, mad at me, and and he's gonna go out there and drop fifty. But how? And then that? you don't. And, but you don't want to like. I don't want to be like that, but it's gotten to I that know. point. But there's certain I, players I, I that don't react that way, though, Malcolm. We, I mean, we saw that DeAndre with Jimmy Butler. You know. Well, we saw that with Jimmy in Minnesota. 
And then what did they do? They ripped off the most impressive run where they're still standing to this day. But I'm saying, but I'm saying, we saw we saw Jimmy push that in Philly. This is the Miami's the only team he's gone to where he's pushed it, and it's and they've received it, yeah, and didn't try to fight back and lose. But wouldn't you think Boston would have that type of culture? Wouldn't you believe they have a totally different organization? It's not the same people that it was when they made the super team. And Doc Rivers got, you know, five different coaching jobs now, it feels like, off of, you know, one title with a, the first super team when they should have won at least three with that squad when they had them. But that's a different tale for a different day. I think I we're looking at... talk about this forever. We're looking at coaching and we're looking at determination with chemistry where you're seeing synchronicity on the side of the Miami Heat of a team that's been together and been to the finals, you know, three years ago in the bubble with this same core for the most part. Uh, And they're coming in with a lot of momentum, a lot of training and a lot of veteran synergy as well. I think it's it's both the team synergy and then the chemistry from the uh, veterans as well, just really infecting this uh, infecting this Miami team and getting them to where they are right now. But moving to the throw on one more else. Sure. And then we got to get to the West. Let's go West. What we're seeing is IQ. And I I don't think I've ever seen so many traveling calls from a team where like Boston, your star player is traveling, Brown's traveling, Tatum's traveling, and it's a lot of traveling. IQ plays mm-hmm. from Miami as well. Yeah, it's all about that. It's all about basketball. Well, speaking of IQ, we're witnessing one of the greatest IQ performances. Uh, in the NBA in terms of matchups between LeBron James and Nikola Jokic and just two of, uh, you know, a perennial all-star now, a perennial all-star forever. And really both of these players, I feel like, unless Jokic just has some huge career downturn, but uh, LeBron and this LA team coming back from the depths of hell, really, and and marching forward to a conference finals as a seven seed. Uh, just an outstanding year through and through, even before we get to this series. Um, you know, people were putting dirt on their name back in December, January. Wasn't looking good. You had some huge moves made. You're seeing this team really bounce back. And again, uh, you're seeing what everyone said was an asterisk in the ball come back to light for what it really can be when you have these two top tier players and Anthony Davis and LeBron James playing at uh, top tier abilities. With that said, we have right now Denver at a 2-0 lead, uh, winning both their home games, doing what Boston did not. I will continue to reinforce that as I am a huge Miami Heat fan and it is making me extremely happy and you can't tell me shit till Sunday. But Denver 
is uh, really leading. Malcolm, you and I have been texting the whole series with L.A. and Denver and Tiny. I'm really excited to get your input on this. It looks like LeBron's been getting a little bit more gassed. Uh, then we've seen him in the last two series. Maybe that has some altitude issues to do with it. Anthony Davis is playing out of his mind, uh, trying to kick it, uh, keep up rather with Nikola Jokic, who is just doing what Jokic does, you know, having 34 points, 21 rebounds, and 14 assists in the first game. And then in game two, having uh, 23 points, uh, 17 rebounds and 12 assists. So two straight triple doubles for him. Jamal Murray playing outside of his uh, mind as well, going off the Rickers skill scoring. But the Lakers really having great performances from LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves offensively with Ruri Hachimura, tiny, uh, coming yeah. in big time, uh, playing yeah. well. The, <laughs> the former wizard right there. Uh, but always the the Lakers seem like they just really need a fourth person to step up for them offensively. I feel like uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be a Lonnie Walker, the fourth uh, save me game necessarily uh, coming yeah. up for them. But they really need D'Angelo Russell or Rury to burden that third or fourth option uh, for them while they have Austin Reed. LeBron and Anthony Davis playing well. Um, let me start with you, Malcolm, since you are our West Coast correspondent. Um, with these two teams, you saw your son's <laughs> fall to the hands of the very strong Jokic-led Nuggets. Uh, do you think that Lakers, A, have a chance in coming back in this series, and B, have an option that can be a consistent fourth scoring option for their team? Um, it is going to be challenging. I mean, Denver is extremely deep, and then not only that, they're, I'm always talking about coaching because it's coming down to coaching, and they're incredibly, incredibly disciplined and well-coached, so they're not necessarily going to make these mistakes Mike Malone the coach for the Nuggets yeah but with Ham for the Lakers uh, putting in Hachimura making an adjustment that actually makes sense it was thought through mm-hmm. <laughs> unlike in the east um, they had that team on the ropes and then Murray took over towards the latter end um, I really think this is going to be a longer series um, and that is an interesting point of the players being gassed I really think the NBA needs to take a look about having like on one day between because even in the east I I'm seeing them and they all look well. Exhausted. The altitude in, in Denver, but on both sides, historically, even this, this game today. But I feel you on that. I agree yeah. with the high altitude. I agree with that. But um, other than that, I, I really don't think the series starts until the home team loses. So I am a little weary <laughs> on these two O series because we've seen them. We've seen them come and go, and especially with LeBron. Well, if we're going on home team losing, believe me, Boston's done that <laughs> droves. That's that's oh that's yeah, that's what they've done both games. <laughs> and that's so why I say the I'm series weary I don't, started. I don't, want, I don't want nobody two to games full of to go if we're going by that metric. <laughs> Um, I got yeah, this Lakers series. <laughs> I got this Lakers series uh, going six. 
And if I, this next game is going to be the deciding game, if the Lakers don't win this next game, I'm going to roll with Denver too. Oh, if it's three gonna... Oh, Malcolm, it's over. Jokic is the way I look. Jokic is an honorary son of a bitch. And I only say that as an endearing fact, that's a, a loving fact. So Wes unselled type of ornery and tiny. You Hell can yeah. understand that. Uh, tell me, dude. tell me Jokic isn't like that where he, he'll just Frankenstein his way to the, goal and then he'll hit three of three three pointers now because that's what Wes Unseld would do if he played in 2023 he'd be a three point draining monster as well Wes didn't have the jumper but he would have had it if it was in it today just ripped throats He is just brutal. But that's what I'm saying is you have someone in Jokic who's probably the best passing big man we've seen since someone like an unselled who could throw it down court like Kevin loves right now even better. Yeah. But, uh, you know. We're, we're seeing in Jokic just this incredible performer. And then you have Murray, like Malcolm was talking about, who just shoots out of his mind, too. I mean, is mm-hmm. there any stopping the Nuggets in this series, Tiny? Do you give the Lakers a chance to come back? So this series to me is actually more simple than the Eastern Conference series. And I think we've already seen a large part of the reason I say that. And Denver is just too much. Overall, I'm not saying the Lakers aren't going to win a game. I'm not saying LeBron's not going to have a legendary performance, but it is a seven game series. And the Lakers have actually played really fucking well in the first two games, but it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So m- maybe the location change um, gives them the edge. Uh, that's a very known thing in playoff series. LA is going to be more comfortable at home. They've won a lot at home. I just don't know if they can sustain the level they need for seven games. So do I think the Lakers are going to come back? No, like I don't. Can they? Of course, they have a legend. They have two potential legends. Um, And if they're guys and if their role players hit shots, all of a sudden you win a few games, you're right back in it. And then it almost resets. Like if they win two in L.A., it's like brand new series, like best out of three. But Denver and watching them, I've had the, the ability to watch more of this series than the other. Jokic is just so smart and he computes every every basketball move that he's faced with he computes it so fast and he makes Mm -hmm. all those little mid-range shots and like some of the passes he throws are just like as a basketball player i'm like how did you even like know kcp was cutting and threw a one-handed pass around a guy's shoulder for a layup so yeah he's he's incredibly impressive especially from like a basketball nerd standpoint like and the way he does it some people don't like him um kind of how some people don't like Giannis. and like why (laughs) exactly uh, you know that's a different conversation but going forward i just i just can't see la pulling pulling four games you know out of the next five and like being able to outlast Denver if they're unless they have like a bunch of weird off games or an injury, honestly. Yeah, no. And I'm going to have to agree there. So I think we all agree. Most likely we'll see the Denver Nuggets in their first ever NBA championship series. First ever. They've never, ever won a conference championship. So even them making it there would be Absolutely incredible for them. Uh, they were with, a famous eight seed back in the day as well, Pat. I don't know if you remember. But. Yes, with Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. I remember very well. 
uh, the dark, the dark blue unis. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I remember. But uh, we will keep our eyes fully on the NBA as we move in. Uh, we're gonna actually have some baseball talk next week. I've got my brother Fred joining us back on the show next week. He'll be doing probably an independent segment. We may get him on the show. Nice. Uh, Tiny, hopefully we'll have you back home for uh, some baseball. And Malcolm, who's actually in second place in the fantasy baseball rankings right now in oh, our wow. league we're in. Malcolm's out here dominating fools in the fantasy Dude. baseball league don't, called don't that, Damn Pitch Clock. No, I'm your I'm shadow manager, Malcolm. I'm your shadow like manager. He's setting it right now, like. <laughs> During I'm the podcast, Malcolm, you need to put. Like, what is he doing? You need to put Nick Martinez over he, in your starting lineup because he's been shifted back to relief pitcher. But you, oh, okay. Malcolm's got Luis. Malcolm's got Luis Servino tiny <laughs> on IL right now. Malcolm's got a hidden roster of great players, and he's just dominating fools out here. Uh, he beat me last week. I tried to win really hard, and Malcolm beat the shit out of me. But anyway, I didn't know that. Malcolm, if you have like a logo for your fantasy baseball team and you put together Chewbacca. some sort of like. It's Chewbacca, uh, or no, yeah. it's Lando. It's Lando, Lando Calrissian. Donald Glover. Donald, Donald Glover, Glover Lando is Lando in hand. Uh, so he's going new Lando? Yeah, he's going right. He's going Han Lando, not you, not classic you, uh, Billy D hand. Just going to be charming. We're Where Billy D charming. would call him hand. Didn't We've even call there. him you Han. You grab me a Billy D. You grab me a Billy D. <laughs> Colt 45. But real but, quick before we get yeah. out of here. got <laughs> it. We got to do that. We've got to give our respects as one of the greatest athletes in the history of North American athletics passed away today, unfortunately, at the age of 87, after one of the most accomplished lives, uh, both on the field, off the field, for civil rights, for human rights. Uh, Jim Brown passing today, one of the greatest players in sports history in any sport uh just an amazing running back in NFL history and he played multiple positions and multiple sports uh in his oh, yeah. college career at Syracuse uh then in the NFL he was an NFL champion in 1964 uh, an MVP in 57 58 65 uh, 100th all anniversary all-time team uh 75th year all-time team, 50th year all-time team, uh, an NFL scoring leader in 58, five-time NFL rushing touchdowns leader, eight-time NFL rushing yards leader, nine-time pro bowler, eight-time first all-pro team, uh, only one second all-pro team. We should have gotten first all-pro that year, too. Uh, uh, unanimous All-American, 
in in 56 cleveland browns ring of honor cleveland browns number retired uh top 150 greatest college football players ever uh averaging 5.2 yards a carry 106 rushing yards in his or rushing touchdowns in his career 12,312 rushing yards in his career a wonderful acting career with some of the most iconic movies uh i know malcolm and i and tiny all alike remember um including i'm gonna get you sucker in his late acting career which i personally love one of my favorite ones in running man let's not forget he was in an wow. a-team episode let's go that's what i'm saying and then he was in riot he was in a bunch of the split band brothers there we go we got it all in uh he, he kind of looked like bing rain's dad he like, did kind of look yeah, like bing, bing, bing rain's dad vibes a little on, bit, the, on the screen a little bit For real. words of my father he was all our dads he was on any given sunday he was oh, yeah. in yes. mars attacks yes. he was in uh <laughs> I'm going to get you suck of the running man, TJ Hooker, Knight Rider, Chips, uh, so on and so on and so on and so on. And never forget his big, big breakout uh, in Dirty Dozen, which oh, uh, that's what I meant. we'll Dirty never Dozen, forget. Yeah, but uh, just incredible human being. Again, his civil rights accomplishments, he and Bill Russell and mm-hmm. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carl Stokes, all members of the Cleveland Summit, a meeting with Muhammad Ali, trying to help bring awareness to the civil rights causes in the United States. And Brown was also one of the very first African-American athletes that sparked other black athletes to take initiatives on and off the field. But Tiny, I want to throw to you real quick before we get out of here and then finish with Malcolm. Uh, Jim Brown, I know that your dad was always a huge Jim Brown fan. I know you always had big uh, reverence to him and his history with one of the most historic franchises in the NFL, him main bringing it to prominence. Uh, how do you feel about Jim Brown's legacy and uh, his passing after such an accomplished, wonderful life? So he lived in an era where we know less about him than we would have if he was around now. You know what I mean? Um, but was still so stellar in so many areas even when there were there weren't as many highlight tapes there weren't you know he didn't like maybe have his own documentary or like wasn't on you know like some hbo show about the browns but kind of an interesting thing today like when when i heard the news i like said it to my coworkers, and a few of them were like jim brown i knew that name but i don't like know who he is and i was like all right so he was kind of as i remember like one of the first players in the NFL that when you saw his highlight, you were like, that guy is absolutely dominant. So you would see like these old clips of him and how I learned about him a lot was like watching mm-hmm. NFL Network and like, you know, those old films documenting the history of the NFL. And, and this some was pre-Super like, Bowl era. He retired yeah. early too. He was one of the first yeah. guys to retire early, to go so into think the act. Same- 
acting. It was him and then Wilt Chamberlain in sports. So I think the sentence I said was, and I could be wrong, um, but I was like, he was like the first guy that was super dominant in the NFL. Like, you'll see a highlight of him. No, that's some, accurate, Tiny. You know what I mean? Like, that's 100% accurate. And then it, OJ was like kind of right after him, actually, mm-hmm. like the same kind of build and just speed and just dominant figure. And guys are trying to tackle him. And he's just like, get off me. Like, But there wasn't a question of who was the greatest player in NFL history, especially at the running back position until Walter Payton showed up. Yeah, he was the dude. Um, great lacrosse player. I remember reading. He played well. lacrosse, football, and baseball, basketball, and was a track runner. He earned 13 letters at Syracuse. Yeah, so he was like almost like a Bo Jackson type. Just he was like athlete, Jim Thorpe. But, <laughs> but and Jim Thorpe, if we if we really want to go back, Pat, go ahead and bring up Jim Thorpe, but. Uh, you know, my memory of Jim Brown, um, is just those highlights where I'm watching it. I'm like, like this guy's fucking dominating, like Mm -hmm. completely dominating. And I think it hurts him in the end of greatest conversations, which I don't love, but it's the same idea as like Wilt and Bill Russell, where it's like, you watch it and you're like, well, those guys are just too small. Yeah. But it's like, no, Wilt Chamberlain had Wilt Chamberlain had a quintuple double. I found out the only quintuple double in history. (laughs) But but Jim, Jim Brown himself, amazing player. And I have fond memories of watching him um, on highlights and kind of teaching me about the history of football. And then like you guys said, like amazing guy off the field too, and did everything he could for his whole life to just further the sport and equality and everything. So yeah, a legend to say the least. Truly. And again, uh, one other fact in there, his 5.2 yards per rush is third best among running backs in NFL history beyond behind Marion Motley and Jamal Charles. That's what I'm saying, man. It's a, it's a weird, (laughs) it's a weird thing, but just because like you were talking about tiny and his, uh, amazing, uh, multi-sport career, the premier lacrosse league MVP awards actually named in his, honor and he is widely considered one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time i mean the and speed he didn't the play pro lacrosse he was just in college that's crazy it's insane yeah. um and rushing in leading the league eight out of his nine seasons rushing where he led uh he held most major rushing records uh 2002 sporting news named him the greatest professional football player ever i've all heard multiple reporters say he's the greatest uh nfl running back and a lot of people say he's the greatest nfl player they've ever seen you know it's it's kind of that eras thing we talk about but malcolm uh his career on and off the field how are you going to remember jim brown as 
the man and also as the football legend. Yeah, this one definitely, definitely shocked me once I saw the news. And um, just throughout my knowledge of the NFL, I'd always see, I remember, you know, very young, of course, hearing a Walter Payton. And I am always think of other players that you can compare, but there was always one, one. <laughs> there was always Jim Brown, regardless of the Barry Sanders or regardless of the Walter Paytons. There was Barry. I know there was uh, Jim. And hearing stories of my dad telling me that, like, that was his third best sport was football. Mm-hmm. It went lacrosse, basketball, then football. But there were stipulations at Syracuse. You could only start uh, two black players at the time. He said yep. they said he couldn't be the greatest in football. So that's why he did it. Um, even changing the rules in lacrosse to your stick having to be in constant motion just because of how dominant he was mm-hmm. um, is all impressive uh, to me. He He's getting up there. I, I remember seeing him in, uh, of course, the I'm going to get you sucker. And then my dad would be like, yeah, he was a football player. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Then I'd have to go back and look and I'd be like, yo. And he'd say, yeah, it took the whole team to get him down every single play. So most of my dad's stories were him off the field and getting conscious between him, Kareem, Bill Russell, and Ali. Um, he also noted that everybody from that picture or with those four have now, you know, transitioned. And it would just be very interesting if we had a little bit of more of that thorough DNA in some of our superstars today, um, especially when it comes to relations or even economics, as well as their determination on how he played. Um, the last and not least, I mean, it's just sad to see him go. Uh, to me, if you, I can't put or compare him to anybody, it's always going to be him at the top, similar to um, the way my perspective is on Bill Russell. It's just like, there's one dude who's completely dominant. Everyone else is trying to get compared to him in my philosophy and being both on and off or on and mm-hmm. off the field. Because that's how, if I were a professional athlete, not only would I take everything I got on the field, but also try to make those changes for, for everybody. But more importantly, people who come from uh, a largely disenfranchised uh, group and try to wake them up a little bit. So it's very, very sad. You know, prayers out to the Brown family and all of that. Yep. Um, but uh, mad respect for Jim Brown, man. And he was always wearing the, you know, the type of, you know, the African koofies, the the braided African oh, he koofies. Was- he was that military guy with the mustache like you did mm-hmm. you respected that man like he was a man and then it was like oh he's a football yeah. player he was stopping yeah. gang violence he brought crips and bloods together he was bringing hip-hop together you know he it was, was so incredible. much he was doing man so he was like respect and peace to him when he was 70 and i was 20 and i saw him like in an interview or something i was like i'm 20 years old and that 70 year old man will beat my ass like right now <laughs> dude looked oh, yeah. fucking hard his whole life and his highlights proved it and it was so cool to watch i hope i hope i hope people get to see it in the future like that don't know no, what he was like on the field real quick last three points on jim brown uh career wise pre-professional career and then we'll get out of here he averaged when he was playing uh on long island in high school averaged a then all long island record 38 points per game for his basketball team <sighs> yeah. that later was broke that record was later broken by future boston reds 
Sox star Carl Yastrzemski of Bridgehampton. As a sophomore of Syracuse University, uh, he finished fifth, or excuse me, his senior year in 1956, he was a uh, first-team All-American, finished fifth in Heisman voting, and set school averages for highest season rush average and most rushing touchdowns in a single game. In Syracuse history with six, he ran for 986 yards, the third most country despite Syracuse only playing four, uh, only playing eight games, and he scored 14 touchdowns. Then in the Cotton Bowl for that end of that season, he rushed for 132 yards, scored three touchdowns, kicked three extra points, but blocked an extra point after Syracuse's third touchdown and was the difference as TCU uh, lost the game in that bowl game. Perhaps his most impressive success as a (laughs) multi-sport athlete, uh, in addition to his football accomplishments, he excelled in basketball, track, and especially lacrosse. As sophomore, he was the second leading scorer on his basketball team in college, 15 points per game, and earned a letter on the track team. In 1955, he finished with fifth place in the national championship to Cathalon. His junior year, he averaged around 12 points per game in basketball, named second team All-American in lacrosse. His senior year, his name first American All-American in lacrosse, 43 goals in 10 games to rank second in scoring nationally. Brown was so dominant game that the lacrosse roles were changed to requiring <laughs> to play a lacrosse player to keep their stick in constant motion instead of scaring the ball. Uh, so yeah, just carrying it. Said, three people. And then <laughs> final note, while in college, he participated in the Reserve Officers Training Corps after graduating was commissioned as a second lieutenant during his time in the NFL. Brown continued his military commitment as a member of the United States Army Reserve. He served for four years and was discharged with the rank of cap. So quite the history of quite the human being and quite the accomplishments in general. Malcolm, what'd you have? It's interesting that would always pop up. So like when he was fifth in voting, right, a majority amount of like Oh, it was because he was black. He didn't didn't get in first. Right. So that skews the data. (laughs) And then at Syracuse, they can only start two black players. So he's coming off the bench scoring 30. (laughs) And there's like, well, technically you didn't play enough. So we can't can't value on first. So we're going to put you on second. That's what it is. But (laughs) and he served the country, man. You know, that's what I'm saying. Salute that man forever. Jim Brown, you've got air salutations and salute. Here at the sports show, but we will be back and better than ever. As always, for the sports show, uh, we'll be back next week with either one or two shows. Uh, we'll see how the NBA playoffs shake out. If we get a sweep in both series, I don't think we will. I think it'll spread out a little bit more. And then we've got some baseball conversations as the first quarter of the season starts to wrap up we've got a lot of fun action here uh coming down the pipe and we'll keep you guys updated as always on the nfl and the moves being made there
here. Also with the NBA, we've got uh, some coaching moves being made firing-wise. We've got some people being talked to in terms of head coaching positions. In the NFL, we've got some new head coaches. We've got a ton to talk to you guys about. So we'll be back and better than ever, as always, for the sports show. I'm DJ Pat Nasty, and I'm here with... And as always, from Arizona, the West Coast, the Best Coast, Malcolm Marzette. And we'll be back with you guys next time, better than ever, on the Sports The Show. The sombrero to see the plug That Chad Ocho shit Pour your dish Sippin' a nejo He throw more bricks Yo, oh shit Make a toast We bout to go home rich One more flip We ain't gon' have to sell No more bricks I be having them niggas Salt soon as I throw on drip That 30k you tryna save I'm bout to blow on kicks Poke out your chest all you want But don't you throw no fist That'll only get you Some broke bones quick I'm Bones Jones Swift And bro gon' flip Get on your ass And bro don't quit I drop some shit and niggas be like, bro, don't miss. I'm as consistent as a coke nose drip. I send my young hoe on those road trips. That's why I got her the rose gold kick and no stones hit. I bet she had a broke hoe sick. I tell her, be still, that hoe gon' sit. Ayo, rap beside her with line playing rock and ride in the talent club. I took 1.5 to the cashier to tally up. Ayo, I don't know why these niggas mad at us. I guess they didn't want this shit bad enough. Y'all ain't getting y'all bag enough. Stand on business, any issue niggas had with us We scoring until they wave the white flag and saying that's enough No mind We gon' smoke them niggas and stab out Yeah We gon' smoke them niggas and stab out We gon' smoke them niggas and stab out We gon' smoke them niggas and stab out we swinging hammers as hard as Thor My shooters will spin your block like revolving doors Involve the law, I send some carnivores from out of Baltimore Furthermore, I see that it's art and horse that your heart adores But we ain't in the arts and crafts, we crafting a art of war Keep asking to call them more Extended his hand and I almost tore it off Expense for the grams, we gotta explore the course You in decent hands like a Hail Mary that's tossed a moss Cross the boss when pigs don't fly straight, they get off the lost You niggas that talk the talk, we bat up your legs so you can't walk the walk and splatter your head so they can't chalk the corpse can't go and destroy the east yeah i'm gonna extort the north of course you saw never got off the porch and i'ma toss the torch nah, nah i think i found something how the town hunting on this corner niggas call zion because 300 pounds jumping <laughs> niggas always claiming king yeah. until they get their crown sunken rounds dumping how you gonna score when you third down punting yeah now niggas know the repertoire i was cooking and chefing raw now i'm flying my chef abroad Ten acre village chillin' at extra spots yes. Came a long way from them weapons drawn But still I put you six feet in dirt Niggas best be warned Phone the baby down Swing that around Oh shit Hey Gucci, I'm a dog Hey yo 
High yellow bitch, nipples like strawberry milk. Pass the handy white, got me on still flexing. Hard in the muscle, looking nice. I'm very built, busting up. Wipe it on your wife, Burberry quill, can't come. Playing on the sets and my balls hanging. 5,000 niggas in my presence, they all gangin' Known to keep raw shit instead of with y'all slingin' Cutty know his fist when he tested his jaw swingin' These young niggas making waves, scamming, they move swift MC coming with hammers, I'm too legit at the gun range Turn the page, man, it's all human gifts Got the hits, thousand eight, grand with the Buddha fist up Niggas try to copy the formula, they just can't get it. Work spread on every corner just like the pandemic. Pick up a whole brick on that fence credit. Me and my fans spread it, don't get your man steady. Bullet hole where do rag gold. Better hope niggas don't think you that toe. Bullet fall straight pitching in my new ass clothes. Took a hit, now you flying like a UFO, yo. Nack daddy, why you do that for? Bitch screaming in my face, I remove that hoe. Cuff another half to him, hope new bass flow. He had me wait, didn't know, nigga, move that slow. Catch up, motherfucker. Yo. Catch up, motherfuckers. Catch up, motherfuckers. Yeah. Catch up, nigga. Uh. Catch up, motherfucker. Word. Catch up, mother. Catch up, motherfucker. Catch up, son. Hey, yo, listen. I'd rather get paper with y'all funny. Now I'm about to be the nigga skating with y'all money. Truly understand the pure hate, y'all bum. Bitch, love to God, you ain't taking no bras from me. Even in the winter when I'm staying, it's all sunny. Poof, bitch. Stupid niggas trying to scheme, but I ain't got time to play with the smart dummy. For real. Hey, yo, none put a smile on the face like drug paper. Strap shit don't really pay, but it's much safer. I ain't got time for girlfriends, I'm a slut maker. Crazy bitch set me up, I had to duct tape. Damn. Where do rag go? Better hope niggas don't think you that tall. Boulevard straight pitching in my new ass clothes. Took a hit, now he's flying like a UFO, son. Now, daddy, why you do that for? Bitch screaming in my face, I remove that hoe. Cuff another half to him, hope the new bag flow. Yeah, we wait, didn't know, nigga, move that slow. Catch up, motherfucker, motherfucker, Part of waking up, gotta be waking up. I praise a lot, brush my teeth, then roll a branch and make a cup. I swear out of all of the lives I live, man, this my favorite one. I bathe in the sun early that daylight, be saving us. Amazing, huh? One with the trees up in the leaves, looking down at the suckers who stump, jumping the reach. Never greedy, yo. Flair always had a hunger to teach. Just be easy, though. A lot of these niggas run with the steeds. Some the reason they custom supreme. I got a style, Jay the topic now. While it got thousands, crocodile, while they bottom. 
brown. Hood Met Gala, you not allowed. Now it's all eyes on me. I know that pocket's proud. Just the east side Delaware kid with hella square biz. Probably the most compelling there is. I held the flare kid, red shit. Basquiat versus Warhol. Now here's some more art. I'm Larry Fishburne breaking the fourth wall. It's time to wake up. Uh, it's time to wake up. Uh, I showed up before the rooster, the human supercomputer. This is the new future. No more excuses, my nigga. It's time to wake up. Uh, it's time to wake up. Uh, I showed up before the rooster, the human supercomputer. This is the new future. No more excuses, my nigga. It's time to wake up. Two eggs, turkey, bacon, all praises due. A lot of numbers in my phone. I only save a few. I wake up and tell my girl, all I need is you. Then I roll up hella weed, like I need you too. You ain't gotta know me, homie, know I'm hustle-minded. Learn to never chase a dollar, let the hustle find it. I approach it like the day you gotta check the climate. See if these niggas getting paid, they not gonna waste your time. And time is really all that matters, keep that paper piling. Ain't hit a blunt and buy the dime, I'm a paper pilot. You ain't like it till you seen this big nigga styling. Introduced you to the wave and now you trying to find it. Your ends gotta match your hustle or you just rapping. Always got your hand out, you niggas just capping. John Madden 94, you niggas tough acting. I swear it really turned me on to see that money stack. Time to wake up. Uh, it's time to wake up. Uh, I showed up before the rooster, the human supercomputer. This is the new future. No more excuses, my nigga. Time to wake up. Uh, uh, it's time to wake up. Uh, I showed up before the rooster, the human supercomputer. This is the new future. No more excuses, my nigga. It's time, time to wake up. up. No excuses. Up with the roots. Ain't no sitcoms. We been making movies. Intentional. I only budge if it's heavy movement. They respect my switching lanes. I done shot every road. Classic. Like fish telling in a barracuda. I vacation with married women. They play jacuzzi. Cadillac margarita. Double shot mezcal. Windows tinted like visors on DK Metcalf. Dripping heavy. Like ringing out a wet towel. Everything scandalous. I'm used to me being let down. Stand up. Salute single mothers who manned up. Now she rooting for me. Her baby balling like that one. Count that. Went broke. Woke up and bounced back. How you comfortable pocket watching like IRS? I'm the H and I see, I keep it thorough, nigga. Rose gold, Daytona, and a pearl pistol. Muscle cars, hella caprices, they think I cheated They wanna know the secret, missing ingredient Why I keep it to myself, anyone can possess it It's called hard work ethic Check it Time, money, and energy, I invested 20,000 hours, strengthen my powers Master be method Probably don't respect it Still searching for that shortcut 
That's why you always fall in short, cuz One ounce of experience is worth a pound of courage I never gave in, although times was discouraged And held a vine herb till my soul got nourished The more seeds I planted, the more I got to flourish Who you know can get you there, what you know gon' keep you We can race for pinks, I'll take your ride if I beat you Whoa. The market is down, we still live Niggas switch sides every day, it's still live Split the pie, get a plate and fill up Differentiate the fake and real love The market is down, we still live Niggas switch sides every day, it's still live Split the pie, get a plate and fill up Differentiate the fake and real love Yo, it's still us, we started at the bottom but we still up Check it, that's 93 y'all Chain on the fill up Spent half on the crib Took cash to the dealer Far cry from the times Not knowing where my meals was The hustles, the hustles Feeding my brain child Ivory white nights Shoe polishing the stains out Till the whites of they eyes Turned yellow at my hangout Wax bags in abundance Dope dancing through they veins now The miseducation taught us a great deal How they feel Each total ground weight Better great seal Any denomination Make the same sound when they feel Enough or too little to make or break deals But legal tender I've tended When it's stacked knee high you can't bend it Why see your mad king shit Can see how the guys trending Steppers, big earners and wise spenders Mad The market is down, we still live Niggas switch sides every day It's still live Split the pie, get a plate and fill up Differentiate the fake and real love The market is down, we still live Niggas switch sides every day It's still live Split the pie, get a plate and fill up Differentiate the fake and real love When people have a life insurance policy, let's say roughly $4 million, you have half a million dollars left on your home mortgage, and you say to yourself, I'm leaving my family a million dollars. Actually, you're not. Because when you die, that policy has to pay half a million to the mortgage so they can stay in the house. You're only leaving them half a million dollars. We don't think about that mortgage behind us. So this is where I say, get yourself a term that's for a half a million or a million dollars just to cover the house. So your real policy doesn't get broken up. And now you have that term, pay off the mortgage, any money left, put it in a brokerage account, and now you start the system. These are the things where we don't look at them. When people say, I don't have the money to do this, you know what I tell them? Yes, you do. The air you breathe is money. A life insurance policy. Soon as you die, you worth money. Their generations and their groups of people, when people die, their objective is to make sure they have a policy on their grandmother, policy on their father to do exactly what we're talking about. But we look at it as taboo. When it can't be taboo, it shouldn't be taboo. The main thing about it is you're thinking about the legacy. And when I tell people, when I speak to you, I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to your legacy. You're just a vessel for me to get the message to you so you can hear the message and see it and it reverberates in your brain. And as it's doing this, you literally are talking to your legacy while I'm speaking going, I got you. Don't worry. I'm going to give me a life insurance policy. I was an 